Good morning, One Church. How you guys doing? Fantastic. Man, you guys, you guys look good. Man, I tell you, how about worship this morning? How many of y'all enjoy that? Tell you what, what a blessing. Absolutely. My name's Chris, and I'm one of the pastors here, and we are right in the middle of a series entitled, Things I Wish Jesus Never Said. And the reason why we're doing a series entitled, Things I Wish Jesus Never Said, is because me as a pastor... There are some things I wish Jesus never said. Thanks for coming to One Church, right? I mean, he said some things that were just kind of difficult. I mean, he said stuff like, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And we talked about this the first week. I mean, let's be honest. Most of us, we don't pray for our friends, much less pray for our enemies. I mean, come on, Jesus. What is that all about? Or, or he said this, if somebody wants your coat, give them your shirt too. Really? I mean, that seems kind of extreme. Or there's this little jewel. Uh, Luther talked about this one that, you know what, Jesus, how many times should we forgive somebody? And Jesus says, you know what, you're just to forgive them all the time. All the time. I mean, that's just a little nuts. And what's so cool about this is today, I think this is the most extreme statement that Jesus ever said. In fact, uh, if if this was a competition, and if you were here last week, you uh, heard from my wife that everything is a competition, right? Uh, And by the way, so glad for her. Uh, She did such a great job. I didn't think I was going to be here last week because we were getting ready to go to Iowa to lead worship, and Dave and I was preaching at a student camp, um, but we couldn't get out uh, in, actually in time, so I got to be here and hear her teach, and I'm glad she doesn't teach often because y'all wouldn't want me to teach, so uh, uh, anyway, but anyway, but we talked about last week, and we're going to be looking at the verses right after what Kim taught last week. In fact, let's look at this most extreme thing that Jesus talked about today, and it'll be on the screen, so there it is, if you're, what does it say? If your hand causes you to stumble. Now, let me stop there. Most of us, some of you, you already know this verse, and I just wish that you could pretend that you didn't know what was coming. Um, If I could just kind of get a mental eraser and go, and for you to erase what's coming, and I just want you to put yourself in that context, and you don't know what Jesus is getting ready to say. Because what he's getting ready to say is so extreme. In fact, if you had to fill in the blank of what comes in after this, if your hand causes you to stumble, then, okay, then get control of your hand. Or if your hand causes you to stumble, then tie your hand behind your back. Or, you know, if your hand causes you to stumble, then stop walking on your hands. That was a whole lot funnier than what I thought it was going to be. Anyway, um, but uh, Jesus finished this sentence this way. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. Seriously, Jesus? I mean, cut it off? I mean, my hand? You want me to lop off my hand? You want me to cut it off if it causes me to stumble? I mean, there's no like... I mean, that kind of escalated quickly, did it not? Anyone, right? I mean, if your hand causes you to stumble, then, you know, do something. Put it in a sling, something, but cut it off. And then he goes on, and he says this. And if your foot causes you to stumble, then cut it off. Really? My foot? And and this is kind of eerie. It kind of sounds like saw, if y'all ever saw that. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. 
By the way, as your pastor, I've never seen the movie Saw, so don't send me any emails. Thank you very much. Anyway, so this is going to be a fun morning. It's going to be great. You're going to love coming to church, all right? Because, I mean, like, what's worth losing a hand or a foot or an eye for? I mean, I can't even imagine. In fact, it kind of reminds me of a movie entitled 127 Hours. Anybody ever seen that movie? All right, none of you guys, all right? That's maybe two or three. Let me explain uh, what this movie is, and after I explain it, you're definitely never going to see it, all right? Uh, This uh, movie was nominated for six Academy Awards, and it is about a true story of a guy by the name of Aaron Ralston. And in Aaron Ralston, in 2003, he's kind of one of these adrenaline junkies. He decided, you know what, I am going to go hiking, and he didn't tell anybody where he was going to go hiking or if he was going to go hiking not a good move right and he decided to go hiking into the blue john canyon in southeastern utah and as he's climbing uh, over the canyon and he's done this many many times he climbs over this 800 pound boulder and the boulder slips and falls and it sends him plummeting and this 800 pound boulder plummeting to the bottom of this canyon where the boulder, the 800-pound boulder, smashed his arm and his hand up against the canyon wall. So imagine, he, you are standing there, and you're literally between a rock and a hard place. You're up against this 800-pound boulder, and you cannot get your arm out. And he is there... For five days. And in this movie, as in real life, it portrays him trying to dislodge the boulder, trying to pull his arm out, and nothing is working. So he, he, he has his little backpack, he takes off his backpack, he's drinking water, he has a camera, like a camera, and he starts taking video, and he's and, and he's 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 still trying, still trying, until at the end of day five, he's kind of given up. And he takes his dull pocket knife and he, and he writes his initials into the canyon wall. And below it, he writes R.I.P., rest in peace. And then he takes the, the, the video camera and he starts recording video. And talking about all of his regrets. And he records a, a video to his parents. In fact, here is an actual video clip of the Aaron Ralston. This is not the actor this is not from the movie. This from is actually from his video camera when he's stuck in between the canyon wall and this 800-pound boulder. Watch this. My name's Aaron Ralston. My parents are Donald and Larry Ralston of Englewood, Colorado. Whoever finds this, please make an attempt to get it to them. Be sure of it. I would appreciate it. I mean, he's kind of given up. And he's, he's really asking the question, what else can I do? What can I do? And on day six, something kicked in. And if you've seen the movie, you know what's about to happen. He takes, he realizes, you know what, the, the, the human spirit, the will to live kicked in. And he said, okay. He made a fateful decision that he was going to amputate his own arm. So, and by the way, if you get queasy, you might want to cover your ears. Um, uh, 
he gets leverage against the rock and he was able to put enough force to break both of the bones in his arm. And then he takes his dull pocket knife, the one he carved his initials in RIP into the canyon wall, and he begins to sever his own arm. He cuts off his arm. He climbs back out of the canyon. He hikes a couple miles over, repels down a 65-foot cliff with one arm bleeding profusely. He hikes, hikes another couple of miles until a couple, uh, this family sees him and calls for help, and then the paramedics come, and he's okay. Now, I know that seems kind of depressing, does it not? And I know some of you are like, I'm definitely not going to watch that movie, right? Well, I've heard, and I've read this on the internet, that if you actually play the movie backwards, it's a very inspiring story about an amputee who finds an arm in the desert. Um, so, <laughs> anyway, but you know what? The, the question is, I, as I watch this movie is, what would I do? I mean, if I knew that I was going to die, and it was either my arm or my life, what would I do? And i got to be honest with you, the more I thought about it, I thought, I think I probably wouldn't amputate my arm. I mean, I get a little queasy just thinking about it because y'all know a, a few years ago I had a pretty bad bicycle wreck and broke both arms in my in my arm anyway. So I'm just thinking to, of just kind of putting enough force to break your own arm. Oh my gosh. And, and I thought, I don't think I could do it. And then I thought about my wife, Kim. I thought about our 22, 23 years of marriage and all the experiences we've been through. And then I thought about my three boys. Walt, my 16-year-old, Jed, my 11-year-old, and Bing, my 7-year-old. And I thought, you know, Bing, he probably is going to grow up and not have any memories of his dad. My son Jed, I'm not going to be able to be there to teach him how to shave or teach him how to spit or teach him how, to, how you should treat a, a girl and how you should respect and love a woman. Then I thought about my 16-year-old son Walt and how I wouldn't be there during his formative years as a teenager as he starts looking at colleges as he starts trying to figure out uh, his career path as he starts to determine what woman he should marry and then I thought would I be willing to lose some type of function some type of ability so that I could be with the woman I love so that I could raise the children that I love and then I thought yeah I probably would I think the human spirit, the will to live, would take over in me just as it would take over in you. You see, that gives us perspective. Perspective is powerful. And you know what Aaron Ralston said in an interview looking back about his experience? He said this. He says, and I quote, he came to the realization that it's just an arm. It's just an arm. Isn't that amazing? That's some, that's some perspective right there. And don't get me wrong, losing an arm, I'm sure, is very horrific. But when you, thought, when you think about the perspective of losing your life, it's just an arm. And I think that's part of what Jesus is getting at here. I think Jesus is wanting to give you and I a different perspective. That you know what? It's just an arm. It's just a foot. It's just an eye. 
But when you compare that to the life that I want for you, it's not that big of a sacrifice. Now, if you were here last week, we actually, Kim actually uh, taught about the verses that preceded these verses that we're going to look at today. So let me just do a, a quick backtrack. She was talking about the disciples are arguing about who's the greatest. <laughs> That's always fun, right? They're, they're arguing over who's the greatest, and the person who's actually the greatest in the universe is two feet from them, right? So they're arguing about, no, I'm the best, no, I'm the best, no, I'm the best. And Jesus, knowing their hearts... He says, what were you guys arguing about? And they're like, okay, you already know, right? I mean, you can read our minds. You're like, that that's kind of freaks us out a little bit. What am I thinking now, right? So, uh, and Jesus says, well, let me give you some perspective. And, and, he, and he had this teachable moment. And he went and he took a child from the back of the room, and he brought them in the front of the room, and he started teaching. And he, 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 and he, he and what's so cool about this, the verses we're looking at, comes right after that. Now, before we look into these verses, I want to kind of show you exactly what Jesus did because what Jesus did, he is the master storyteller. He is the master communicator. Right before he gets these verses we're going to dig in today, he says, you know what? He says, you know, you see this child up here? You see this child up here? I mean, he is, uh, you know, he gets everybody on the same page. He says, this child up here, if this person... If you cause a little child to fall, it would be better. In fact, this is in verse 42. If anyone calls one of these little, child, little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them if a what? Large millstone was hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. To which I say, it would be better? Right? I mean, that's kind of, I, I can't think of anything worse, right? I mean, it would be better if a large rock was tied around their neck and they were thrown into a body of water. I mean, what, 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 could, be, what could be better than that? How about everything, right? And you know what? The disciples were thinking this either. In fact, in the disciples' minds, they knew this, that Rome, this is exactly what the Roman Empire did to those who started inciting riots, and promoting insurrection. That what Rome would do is they would, they would make this very public very, and publish this. They would tie this big stone around a person's neck and they would throw them into the water. And of course, they would plummet to the bottom of the ocean where they would drown. And it was like, hey, if you do this against Rome, you're going to die. And Jesus is leveraging this idea and he says, if anyone wants to hurt a little kid, it would be better if they were drowned. Now, Jesus, the master storyteller, he's getting everybody on the same page. Because everybody's going, yeah, you're exactly right, Jesus. I mean, you think about your nephew or your niece or your daughter or your son or your grandkids. If somebody willingly hurt them, how would that make you feel? I mean, you would feel that way too. You know, it would be better. And everybody's nodding their heads. Everybody, everybody's going, preach it, brother. Amen. And in the midst of everybody shaking their heads, Jesus drops the bomb on them. Right? He says this. Next verse. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. To which the crowd is like, whoa. Okay, listen, we were with you and we were shaking our heads on, you know what, don't hurt little kids. 
but now you're turning this thing on us right now i, I i'm good when you're preaching about other people's sins just don't preach about what i struggle with right I mean, why are you turning this on me, Jesus? I mean, that's totally different, hurting children, than it is, you know, doing this stuff to myself. And Jesus says, is it? Is it totally different? You see the word stumble? It's the second time Jesus uses it in this paragraph, and it it simply means to stumble means to betray, to entice, to trip up. Now, let me ask you a question. Are there some things that you're holding on to so tightly in this life that you know that are tripping you up? Don't answer that out loud. It's a little too convicting. That cause you to stumble? Are there some things, some habits, some people, some places that you're going to that you know that you're holding on to so tightly that sometimes they betray you? Aren't there some things that you do, some things that you're involved in that lead you astray, that trip you up and you go, you know, I can't keep doing this. It's going to kill me. It's going to kill me. There are some things that trip you up and that trip me up that lead us places that we never want to go and that we don't ever want to end up in this life. Isn't that true? I think if we're all really honest with ourselves, there are some things that all of us are holding on to that if we're not careful, will take us places that we don't want to go, and it's going to cost us way too much. That, and, and if we, in this moment of honesty, we would probably say, you know, I need to take some radical steps to cut this, cut myself off from these things that are causing me to stumble. He goes on. He says this. Not only your hand, but in verse 45, and if your, what? Foot causes you to stumble now i've seen some of your feet some of you you need to cut off your feet right i i could go into some very great detail about my feet but i won't because i want us to have church next week but see here's the thing he's kind of amping it up a little bit because a hand was one thing but a foot in that culture was something totally different because see you and i we drive right we drive everywhere, right? I'm sure nobody walked here today, probably, all right? Now, in that culture, nobody drove. There was no Kia Souls or BMWs or Hondas or whatever, right? In fact, even in that culture, only the richest of the rich of the rich had chariots or even had an animal to ride. So you walked everywhere, and you used your feet a lot, and, and you're saying, Jesus, you want me to cut my foot off? I mean, I can't even imagine a scenario that I would ever want to be able to do that. I mean, that's just kind of that's crazy talk. But think about this. Aren't there some places that you go and certain paths in your life that you know, and you know this from growing up because you saw other people do this, because you've seen other people on a certain path that took them certain places that absolutely destroyed their life. And you can go back and you can look on Facebook and you can go back and you can go to, uh, to high school reunions and you're like, yeah, you used to have so much going for you. What happened? Because, but you knew they were on a path that was going to steal from them and destroy them. 
I mean, all of us, we have things in our lives that, that, we, that cause us to stumble and to trip us up and to trap us and that will betray us and what will lead us into places that we never want to go. And then Jesus, he amps it up even more. He says this, And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. Now, this is where my wife is like deuces, all right? My wife, Kim, um, who I love to death, she has issues with eyes, right? I mean, uh, some of you who wear contacts, how many of y'all wear contacts? Let me show your hands. All right, cool? That's really awesome, right? The idea of you touching your eyeball would probably make her want to vomit. Like, when she has issues with her eyes and, 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 like, she needs visine drops to put in her eyes, she can't even do that. You know, she says, Chris, you're going to have to do it, and you're going to have to hold me down, right? So I'm holding her down, and I'm going like this to her eye, and she's like, right? It's the funniest thing for me, not for her. Um, But uh, some of you, I mean, I'm sure just even preaching about this, her eyes are watering as we speak. I mean, pluck out your eye? What are you talking about, Jesus? Seriously, plucking out eyes? Cutting off hands? Lopping off feet? Aren't there some things that you've looked at that you know you shouldn't have looked at? Aren't aren't there some novels that you have read that maybe you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't be reading? Aren't there some things that's captured your attention that you have set your gaze on and you know it has betrayed you and enticed you and it's led you away? That's what Jesus is talking about. And yet, while it may seem so extreme, what Jesus says, we've got to figure our way. We've got to think about this. To, to remove ourselves, to cut ourselves off from these things so that we don't end up somewhere we never intended to go. On the surface, what seems so shocking and extreme, and Jesus, I wish you never said that, but the more you dig into it, we're kind of nodding our heads thinking, yeah. I would get rid of that. You see, on the surface, think about your greatest regret. Everybody got it in your head? Your greatest regret. You're safe, so I'm not going to ask you to share it. Your greatest regret. The thing that you wish you could go back and change in your life. You know, when you think about your greatest regret, here's the truth. You know when it started... It started with a friendship. It started with wanting to experience something new. It started, you know what, it's just fun. It started about something you thought you deserved. And and the reality was, whatever that thing was, whatever it was, something you were doing, something you were focused on, a path that you were going, it ultimately caused you to stumble your way into your greatest regret. You didn't intend to happen, to happen. It just happened and you just kind of, you sort of ended up there. You stumbled your way all the way into it. And just just didn't show up one day and say, yeah, I'm just going to destroy my life. Woo! But it was a slow, gradual process and it became your greatest regret. You know, when you think about it in that context, I think what Jesus is reminding them of this principle. And it's a principle, it's just a principle of life. It's a principle that all of us, we kind of know, and when I tell you this principle, you're, you're, nobody's going to write this down. 
because it's just kind of intuitive. It doesn't seem very deep. But when you think about it, it's still true. And all of us have to relearn and learn. And I have to learn this principle over and over again. Here's the principle in life. What you do today impacts where you end up tomorrow. Nobody went, oh, Confucius. Nobody did that, right? But what you do today will impact where you end up tomorrow. And that's what Jesus is reminding of us here. What you do today impacts where you end up tomorrow. And I think that's a part of what Jesus is saying is if you want to avoid topping your current greatest regret with a new and improved greatest regret, then you've got to remember that what you do today, you've got to have some perspective, my friend. Because what you're doing today, it's going to take you to a place where you never want to be. Here's our big idea. This is what Jesus is saying in these passages. Cut some things off so that you don't stumble your way into your greatest regret. Can we say that together? Cut some things off so that you don't stumble your way into your greatest regret. It is an extreme to cut some things off so that we don't end up somewhere we never intended to be. You know what's extreme? What's extreme is when we allow things that cause us to drift. We have no going places. None of us have no, really no intention of being. We tolerate things that cause us to drift. And remember the principle, what you do today impacts where you end up tomorrow. If that's the case, if that's true, and I think we can all agree it is, then many of us, we got to perform some radical surgery. Because the habits, the things, the thought process, you, you are doing some things in your life that's going to end up, you're going to be somewhere tomorrow that you're doing today. And I want, I, want you, I want to give some time just for you to think about that. What are some things that you're doing today that's going to ruin your life tomorrow? You've got to do some radical surgery to cut yourself off from certain things that you're doing, certain places that you're going, certain things that have captured your attention, certain things that are leading you a place where you shouldn't be, some friendships that just aren't healthy. And some of us think, yeah, but that's, that's so extreme. I mean, my name ain't Aaron Ralston. I'm not going to cut off my arm. What are the things that you need to get rid of? It probably is not your arm. But what are some of the things in your life that you need to get rid of? Something that I think God has brought something to your mind immediately. All of us think of something. A, a guilty pleasure that you go to, a habit that you just naturally drift towards. What are something that you need to get rid of that just might stumble your way into your greatest regret? You know, some things are not good things or bad things, they're just things. Let me give you an example. Nothing wrong, let me see this, financials, right? Some of you are in some financial issues, and you're having some trouble because of credit cards. And, and it may be because, you know what, somebody introduced you that if you, if you get this certain credit card, then you're going to get so many miles or so many reward points, and you're like, woo, vacation next year, right? And there's nothing wrong with having a credit card with reward points and miles. I, I, I get that. But... Has that caused you to stumble your way into your greatest regret? And wouldn't you, if you could go back, after all the credit card debt, some of you, if I gave you the microphone, 
you would come up here and say, you know what? If I could do it all over again, I would give my right arm to change it all. Haven't we said stuff like that? And wouldn't you be willing to pay maybe a little bit more for next year's vacation if you knew that that was going to be an area that you were going to stumble and ruin your life in? Let me, let me give you another example. Intradet. Kim and I taught a, 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 a series on parenting a few weeks ago, and we talked about technology, and we talked, there's nothing wrong with technology. But the things that you're looking at on the internet, if your spouse were to come in and see you looking at those things, if your parents were to come in and see you looking at those things, if your best friend came in and saw what you were looking at, if Jesus came in, would he be pleased? You're like, well, that's nothing. It's not hurting anyone. Know this, that the things that you do today will end up where you are tomorrow. And some of you, you need to do something radical. You need to get rid of the internet. And some of your friends were saying, well, that's just, you're, are you kind of freaky, right? Well, I mean, can't you just have a little bit of self-control, do this or that? And you know yourself a little too well. And you know what? You just think, I need to lop something off. For others of you, it may be Facebook. Again, nothing wrong with Facebook. But I came across this statistic this past week. Did you know that one in five divorces cite connecting with an old flame on Facebook is the reason? Again, nothing wrong with Facebook. But if you knew that this friend request was going to lead you two years from now into a divorce, do you think you would get rid of Facebook now? I think you would go, uh-huh, I would. And it may seem extreme now, it may seem extreme to your friends, but you'd do it. Now, this is normally where I would end the message, and I would say, okay, let's pray, let's go home. But for those that have your Bibles open, you know that I've kind of skipped over some verses. And you know something that nobody else in the room knows because Jesus has saved the most extreme words. I've kind of overlooked them. So let's look through all of these verses up on the screen and we're going to see this. This is what Jesus said. And let's look at these crazy extreme stuff he said. He says this in verse 43. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. That's extreme. He's getting ready to amp it up. It is better for you to enter life maimed. Jesus is basically saying it is better for you to enter into to be a part of this life that I have for you that I'm promising for you than to have both of your hands. And when Jesus says inner life, we don't really know what he's talking about. We're getting ready to find out, but we don't really quite know that yet. All right? But he's basically saying to enter into this type of life that I'm offering you, it's better to have this than this. Let me go on. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands and going into what? He said, no, but that was the worst you guys have ever done. Because right? nobody likes that word, right? In fact, go into H-E double hockle sticks, right? I mean, we would maybe throw that in there or, but I mean, hell. I mean, some of you are like, pasta. Listen, I brought a friend here with me today. Really? You're going to talk about hell? I mean, give me a break, right? Nobody likes talking about hell. But Jesus in this passage says it's better to enter life maimed 
than, the, than with two hands to go into hell. And then he goes on, where the fire never goes out. Thanks for that one. Now, again, Jesus is saying what's important, it, 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 hell is something that Jesus talked about. And the reason why most of us, we don't really like this word hell and we have these emotional pushbacks to hell is because we've seen um, it manipulated emotionally, manipulated by a preacher. Um, and it just, to kind of get them to do something that, for him or for her and scare people into something. Let me tell you, I grew up in a church where, it, I mean, they talked about hell more than heaven. Anybody grew up in that little wonderful, that's me, Right? And at eight years old, I was scared. Somebody scared the hell out of me, literally. I, I, and I'm not trying to cuss. I really mean that. Um, I, I, at eight years old, they had spoke, spoken so much about hell that I ran up front. And, and, and I told the pastor this, I don't want to go to hell. Okay? Say these little magic words and bring, you're good. Right? Well, guess what? I wasn't good. Because let me tell you, running from hell isn't the same as beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not. And for some of you, you've grown up in denominations, you've grown up in churches and religious systems that literally, you, when somebody brings up hell, you totally go the other way, but you need to know this. As much as somebody has manipulated this for me and for you, Jesus believed it was a real place. And we can't skirt around that fact. You know, one of the things that, uh, that really helped me, even though I felt like at eight years old I was really screwed up, and it's one of the things, there is a hell, and I could spend more time talking about hell than anything else, but that won't allow you to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I like talking about, you know what, God wants to have a relationship with you. He does. But know this, there are only two places. Hell for eternity or heaven with God for eternity. And he goes in, keeps on going on. Verse 45, and if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. For it is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into, really, again, hell? Come on, Jesus. Pastor Chris, please. I promised if this person would come, I would feed them, right? I told them there were going to be cute girls here. You're screwing this up for me. Right? Why are you talking about hell at this point? And the word hell is the word Gehenna. And what Gehenna, uh, and let me just kind of tell you this, this is kind of cool. There are two valleys on the outskirts of Jerusalem. And one of them is called the Hinnom Valley. And in this valley, it was kind of like the trash dump. It was kind of like as you're going to Dover. Right? I didn't call Dover a trash dump, so nobody send me emails. Right? But as you're going to Dover, you know, there's a trash dump. Anybody ever been to the trash dump? Any, any trash dump? How does it smell? Delicious, right? And in, uh, in Jerusalem, in the Hinnom Valley, the Gehenna Valley, that's where Hinna, Hinnom, all right, it, they would throw their trash out there and they would burn refuse and there were gnats and maggots and it smelled nasty and th there was this kind of this uh, everybody, you know, the, the, the fire never did stop, it just kept on burning and there was worms and just kind of nasty right? And, and some of you, Jesus is saying you know what, it, it's going to take you some places you don't want to go and some of you, you've made your life a living hell and Jesus is talking about that aspect of it as well that some of you, he's saying, hey, you're going to end up somewhere 
like that if you don't stop, don't cut yourself off, remove that. And we can all relate to that. I mean, you're going through hell right now. And even though we can make our lives a living hell, in this next verse, he talks about a hell that's in the afterlife, that's for eternity. And he says this, and if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out, for it's better for you to enter the kingdom of God. Now, I like what Jesus is doing here. He's not just scaring the hell out of people. He's saying, you know what? It's not just about running from something. It's about running to something. The kingdom of God. The place where God rules. And just as hell is a real place, and that people, when they die, that are apart from God, they spend eternity, God wants us to not just run from something, but run to something. The kingdom of God. And he uses this kingdom of God in, in so many times in the scriptures. That the kingdom come will come on earth as it is in Thank you, thank you, whoever said that, all right? I mean, the kingdom that I'm inaugurating, that I'm starting on earth, and it's an earthly kingdom, but it even goes more than that. It's not just life. He wants you to have more life and more abundantly, presently, but it's also eternal life. Now keep on going. It is better for you to enter into the kingdom of God, that's now and forever, with one eye than to have two eyes, two eyes and be thrown into hell where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. Ah, thanks. All right? Jesus is saying, don't let your life end up on a trash heap. He is saying that. But he's also saying this. That some of you, if you're not careful, these things are going to lead you to a place where you're going to spend the eternity apart from God. And that place is called hell. I think Jesus is speaking in extreme terms because what Jesus is talking about is extremely important. He wanted to make sure where all of us knows where your habits are leading. Jesus is trying to give us a perspective, an eternal perspective on life, which when we look at losing a hand, losing a foot, losing an eye, you think, you know what? Okay, it's shocking, but you know what? It's just a hand, it's just a foot. It's just an eye. He's trying to get us to see our lives through the lens of eternity. And I think when we do, we'll have a different perspective. That there's more to this life. You see, what you and I get so focused on in this life, what we get hung up on in this life, if we're not careful, we're going to miss out on the life that God has for us. And you know what's true about you and what's true about me is that for you and I, there are some certain things that we're holding on to. And they're keeping us from the life that Jesus is offering us. For some of us here today, the reality is that maybe Jesus wants you to do something shocking. Maybe Jesus wants you to do something that you don't want to do. Maybe he wants you to give something up. That may be your internet. That may be Facebook, deactivating Facebook. That may be, you know what? I'm going to cut up the credit cards. You know what? I'm going to change some of my friends because your friends will determine the direction and the influence of your life. That you are to remove some things. And, so, and your friends are going to go, that's just weird. That's extreme. It's not as extreme as allowing some things to take you some places you don't want to go. And let me just say this. Some of you, you're like, you know, Chris, you don't understand. 
I keep stumbling on this one thing. I'm stumbling into my greatest regret. But for some of you today, you've been coming for a while here at One Church, and you're like, okay, you normally like the messages because they're kind of practical, and you don't really maybe believe the whole Bible Jesus thing, but you've kind of tried some of this stuff, and, and, it, and it works. But you're, you're kind of hesitant to go all in. You're, you're hesitant um, to, to, you know, to sacrifice some of this stuff. You're kind of hesitant to solely, totally surrender your life to God, to totally give God control of your life. And you know why that is? It's because you're afraid of what you're going to have to give up. You're afraid that it may cost you something. Let me tell you, salvation is free and it costs Jesus everything. But following Jesus, it will cost you something. But not following him might cost you everything. So today, for some of you who are Christ followers, you need to do some radical surgery. For others of you, your next step is you need to begin that relationship with Jesus Christ. It, you've been holding off going all in and saying, my life is yours. But today you can do that. Today you can say, God, I want a relationship with you. I still have questions. I still have concerns. But let me tell you, when you look at what Jesus did, and, and what he's saying is cutting off hands, feet, and eyes, that's not as extreme as what he did for you and me. Because John 3, 16, it's on the screens, it says this, For God so loved the world, for God so loved Thomas, and Michelle, and Bob, and Laura, and Katie, and Ben, and Sheila, and Jill, for God so loved us that he gave he cut off his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have what? Eternal life. Some of you today, your next step is, God, I give you control. I still have questions. I still don't understand this. Some of this stuff is still a little weird. But I need to go all in. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we're here this morning, God, and we're just so, we're so grateful for some of the things that we wish you never said, God. And God, I pray for our friends that are, that are here in this room, that are here watching online. God, I pray for somebody who would, who's here today that they know that the thing that they're holding on to, the path that they're on, that the things that they look at are keeping them from the life that you would have for them to experience in this life a better way. God, I also pray for my friends that are here today who just haven't come to the place where they're really willing to surrender. God, I pray, Lord, there may be multiple things in their life that's keeping them away from you, God, that they're just afraid of letting go of. I just pray today that you would help them locate those things in their life and consider taking radical steps to cut themselves off from those things and to surrender their life to you so that you could provide the life that you want to offer each of us, God. Lord, we love you. And Lord, for those that are, that are willing to go all in, 
to say, you know what, I'm not going to allow a relationship. I am not going to allow this to keep me from the life that you want to experience for me, Jesus. Lord, I pray that they would just be able to right now in this moment surrender their life to you and to pray, God, I give it all up. I give it all up for you. My life is yours. My stuff is yours. My energy are yours. My money's yours. My relationships are yours, God. Lord, I pray that you would enter into my life and to cleanse me and to Lord, cover all of my sins. And Lord, that I can have a relationship with you, Jesus Christ. I pray that you would come in and that you would set up shop in my life. That you would move into my house and you would start doing some spring cleaning. And Lord, when you're when you're getting ready to throw that stuff away out in my life, Lord, I pray that I don't choose stuff or a habit or any of that stuff over the life that you are promising me. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray.